Hallelujah. Amen. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Amen. If you know that's true, give them some praise one more time. If you're thankful that goodness followed you and goodness chased after you when no one else did, Lord, we praise you. We thank you. We worship you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What beautiful words and how true they are. Amen. So thankful the goodness and the mercy that chased me even when I didn't deserve it. Amen. 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 Uh, I'll turn to the word of the Lord here in just a moment. And um, just want to say this, you know, not everyone realizes this, but we've already, you already know us well enough. You already know a little bit of our story and stuff that have happened over the past year since we've been preaching about it. And I'll just say this, just, just a few months ago, uh, my wife would not have been able to come up here and have the breath in her lungs to be able to sing what she's saying tonight. Amen. So I'm just telling you, I'm just reminding you, God is a miracle-working God. He hears our prayers. Amen. He hears our cries. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, let's turn to the Word of the Lord. We're going to read from Acts 24, verses 24 through 27. Acts 24, verses 24 through 27. While you're turning there, uh, just want to say how good it is, of course, to have your pastor and first lady home and to uh, get to see them and talk to them. I love just being around the Mayos. So even if we're not talking, even if we're just standing side by side worshiping, I just love it. I just enjoy it, as I know all of you do as well. Amen. So you are blessed with such great leadership. And you are blessed to have such great brothers and sisters in the pews around you. Amen. What a tremendous church. A church that's been kind to us. A church that has responded to the preaching. A church that has helped pray in the altars and and seen people filled with the Holy Ghost. Not just here, but in the daughter works. And uh, we are so thankful for that, for all God has done and for your participation and all of that. And uh, just thank you for being so kind and gracious. Some of you have given us cards uh, just expressing kind sentiments. Some of you have been kind to meet with myself for a, a lunch or a get-together or a conversation, and uh, we just love it all. We've just been so blessed by you. So everywhere we go, our goal is to edify the body and to be a blessing to the body of Christ. And uh, there's some places where we go, we end up leaving more blessed than, than what we gave, perhaps. Uh, we, we feel like we were more blessed than we were a blessing, maybe. And uh, this is one of those places where we come and we know no matter what, my wife and I are leaving blessed people. Blessed because we have met you, fellowship with you, prayed with you. Cornerstone and your leadership has made my wife and I better people. So thank you so much for who you are and for your kindness to all of us. We really, really appreciate it. Amen. Lastly, uh, I'll just say this, you know, um, this is my last service here temporarily, so that's why I'm just taking this moment to say this. And like your pastor said, Lord willing, we'll see you all again. So it's not goodbye, just see you later. And, um, but I'll say this, that this is one of those churches where, you know, as somebody that doesn't attend this church, and I'm sometimes across the country or across the world or wherever, and if my faith is ever low or my faith ever needs to be increased, and I don't just speak about myself, I'm sure I could speak on behalf of many other evangelists or pastors or ministers who have come through here. If my faith's ever low, all I got to do is think about Cornerstone North. 
All I got to do is think about the people here in front of me and the miracle that is, I mean, not Cornerstone North, excuse me, that too, <laughs> but I mean Cornerstone Liberty Lake and Cornerstone North and all the daughter works. All I have to do is think about all of you. Think about the miracle of this church. Think about what has happened here and what is happening and going to happen. And I'm telling you, my faith begins to build. And I, and I just, I just, I can't tell you how wonderful that is. And I'm not the only one who feels that way. Amen. So thank you for being you. Thank you for increasing faith of people around the country and around the world. World. Amen. Without further ado, just turn to the book of Acts here, and we'll read this together. Acts chapter 24. Also, uh, if it sound men, do whatever you need to do. I recently, uh, the hearing in my right ear is, is uh, this happens every few years, and it's just kind of diminished, and uh, I usually have to go into the doctor and just get it worked on or whatever. So if I am yelling, <laughs> if you come and shake my hand and I'm screaming in your face, it's... Uh, I do love you, amen, <laughs> just just having some of that in my right ear, so just so you know, amen, but all is well, and um, as long as I speak the truth, that's all that matters, right, amen. Acts 24, verses 24 through 27 says this, and after certain days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jewess, she, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ, and as he reasoned of uh, righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. This is, of course, Paul reasoning and preaching about these things. Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. Get out of here, Paul. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. When it's convenient, I'll let you know. The Bible says, He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might loose him. Wherefore he sent for him the oftener and communed with him. But after two years, Portius Festus came into Felix's room, and Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. Now I want you to, to keep it up, and I'm going to read it again in one other translation, a paraphrase, just to give us a fuller expression of this. Some days later, when Felix arrived with his wife, Drusilla, who is Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. While Paul was discussing righteousness, self-control, and the coming judgment, Felix became frightened and said, go away for now. And when I have an opportunity, or as another translation says, when it is convenient for me, I will send for you. At the same time, he was also hoping Paul would give him money, and for this reason he sent for Paul as often as possible and talked with him. After two years had passed, Portius Festus succeeded Felix, and because he wanted to do the Jews a favor, he left, Felix left Paul in prison. Amen. I want to draw our attention to what uh, this man said when he said, when it is convenient for me, I will send for you. Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. And uh, what I want to talk to us about tonight is, is this, overcoming convenient Christianity. Overcoming convenient Christianity. Amen. If you're going to help me preach, why don't you put down your Bibles? Why don't you lift your hands? Why don't you call out to the Lord? Amen. And why don't we see what the Lord will do? Let's make sure every distraction is moved aside. Let's make sure uh, all the stuff from the week and everything that could be weighing down on us is pushed aside. Come on. Not my will, God, but thy will be done. Open my heart and open my mind. Let it be in Spokane as it is in heaven. If you don't speak to anybody else, Lord, speak to me tonight. I want to hear it. I want to change. That's it. As you pray this prayer to heaven, God is here you right now. Let's take a few more seconds and let's just call out to him right now. Come on, let's lift your voice and let's call out to him right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. Put your hands together for Jesus one more time. 
Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Amen. And uh, this microphone needs any uh, TLC. Don't worry about interrupting me. You just come and do whatever you need to do. It's popping a little bit in the monitors, but it sounds good right now. I was reading an article recently that convicted me greatly. And the article was about the age of convenience that we currently live in and how, as a society, we have grown to deeply despise being inconvenienced. The author explains how our rabid pursuit of efficiency in this technological age can, if left unchecked, cause a host of serious problems. We are so obsessed with convenience and efficiency that we are living in what the writer calls a tyranny of efficiency. And it is the statement I'm about to read to you that God used to convict me and to birth this message tonight. The quote reads this way, Today's cult of convenience fails to acknowledge that difficulty is a constitutive feature of human experience. Making things easier is not wicked, but the promise of smooth, effortless efficiency threatens to erase the sort of struggles and challenges that help give meaning to our lives. Created to free us, it can actually become a constraint on what we are willing to do, and thus, in a subtle way, this cult of convenience can enslave us. Now, I do not despise the age that we live in, and I am obviously not against technology as I am preaching from an iPad and with a microphone. I'm thankful for technologies such as air conditioning, sound systems, and plumbing, technologies that we all have already benefited from today. Technology in so many ways has greatly improved our lives, and I am, just like you, a major recipient of its benefits. What I am against, however, and what the church must be against, I would argue, is the excessive and unhealthy admiration for things that promise us an easy and effortless life. That is, the church must be on guard against the cult of convenience. Let me explain. In our country, we despise what is inconvenient. If our food at a restaurant is delivered too slowly or isn't cooked to our highest standard, we get angry. Amen? We all get frustrated with our handheld supercomputers when they won't function at their highest speed, a speed that was unthinkable and unexpected just a few years ago. If we lose our keys, we have an app on our phone to help us find them. If we lose our phones, we can go on someone else's to locate our own. If we don't have money, we still have credit. We have cars that will turn on and start heating before we even get in them. Praise God for that. Because though, God forbid, we feel cold and shiver for too long. Our airplanes have screens in the back of seats to remedy the inconvenience of long flights for some people. And, and our airlines have, uh, have these things to remedi remedy the different inconvenience like the nasty peanuts and the turbulence that might occur when you're on these flights. We, 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 we are so used to convenience. We use emojis nowadays in texts instead of handshakes. And we'll send texts when we want to avoid the inconvenience of human interaction. And in some churches, marketing has replaced ministry, once again, falling prey to the cult of convenience. And there's, there's, we could go on and on. We have applications that have replaced eye contact. And scrolling on social media has replaced conversations at dinner. And Instagram comments have replaced more personalized communications. Likes have replaced genuine compliments. And if we hear preaching that starts to make us uncomfortable, we have a thousand apps and notifications to tend to on the seat next to us 
always ready to distract us from our deliverance. In fact, our society hates inconvenience so much, it will go to great lengths to kill it. Abortion and euthanasia or mercy killings are nothing more than a concentrated effort to destroy what is inconvenient to some. The youngest and the oldest, the most helpless members of our society. To some wicked people, the unborn and the dying are viewed by some as nothing more than a tax burden, a financial burden, an emotional burden, something that needs to be eradicated before it begins to infringe upon the way that they like to live their lives. Moral compasses are broken and conviction is murdered at the altar of convenience. Now the youngest and the oldest among us may seem to cause the most inconvenience to some people, but I would argue that's certainly not the case, and the youngest and the oldest among us are supremely necessary. They are the bookends on the bookshelf of life, and without them, everything falls apart. What are we without the innocence of a baby, and what are we without the wisdom of the elderly? Are we even human without experiencing the beauty of a birth and a relationship with those who have gone before us. I know these are extreme examples, but it's important for us to see that if all we are pursuing is convenience, then we will end up eliminating the good burdens of life as well as the bad burdens of life. If all we care for is convenience, we will go beyond lifting genuine burdens and start removing burdens that we should not want to be rid of. I've come to remind someone tonight that as the chosen people of God, we must not get caught up in the modern day cult of convenience. Some of the greatest moments of destiny that God has prepared for each and every one of us will not be convenient, but it will be crucial. As Christians, all of our plans must be interruptible by God. As Christians, all of our plans must be interruptible by God. God must be allowed to get the final say. God must be able to have veto power on everything that we think and everything that we do and all the plans that we make. Amen. I don't want to be so stubborn with my plans that I miss out on the future and the things that God has for me. I'm going to be stubborn with my vision, but I'm going to be flexible with my plans. I'm going to be stubborn with the vision that God has given me given my church but I'm going to be flexible with the way that God might want to carry that out amen every plan I'm thankful for people who plan for their future I'm thankful for people who plan out college and who plan out careers and this is right this is responsible this is biblical but as Christians everything we do must be interruptible according to what God tells us to do and if God says go we pack up and go and if God says stop we stop and if God says go here and go there we go where he tells us to go if we are going to see the miracles signs and wonders that we want to see if we are are going to be used by God in unprecedented ways. We must be willing to be inconvenienced. We must make up in our minds that we are going to overcome the spirit of convenient Christianity that is spreading through our country today. Amen. And I'm thankful that I'm preaching to people today. Amen. That are not just your run-of-the-mill average ordinary Christians. Amen. But I'm preaching to people today who have sacrificed. I'm preaching to people today who have who 
have let go of things they need to let go of. People who have moved across the country, amen, in order to find a better a better uh, future for yourself and to obey the word of God. I am thankful that I am preaching to people who do not just want convenient Christianity. I'm thankful to people who have made necessary sacrifices to go deeper and to go further with God. Come on, can we praise him? Amen, amen, amen. We must be willing to be inconvenienced. Amen. We can return to our text with what we read with Paul and Felix and his wife, Drusilla. Amen. And we know that what we read here in the text, Felix sent for Paul. And Felix wanted money. Amen. That was his initial desire. And he did not get what, what he was expecting. And he got a little bit more than what he was expecting. Amen. He got an earful from Paul. Paul started preaching. And Felix got really uncomfortable. And it was probably the part about self-control that got Felix really trembling. Because his wife was on her second marriage and Felix was on his third marriage. If you look at the history of this man and, and what he did to get to his third wife, it is quite wicked and quite despicable. This was a man of greed, perversion, and lust. He was a rotten man. And Paul's preaching was getting a little bit too close to home. And so he asked Paul to leave, the Bible says, and to come back at a more convenient time as the Bible says. But what Felix failed to realize is that in that moment, he had the greatest, perhaps, apostle that has ever known standing in his presence and preaching the gospel to him. What Felix failed to realize is that there would never be a more convenient time for Felix to repent and for Felix to get his life together. The true problem in that instance was not convenience, it was conviction, and Felix wanted nothing to do with conviction. The problem was not that Felix did not have time. The problem is that Felix did not have the capacity to hear what Paul was saying. It made him too uncomfortable. It got too close to home. Amen. He did not want to make the necessary changes that Paul was preaching to him about. May we never come to this point, amen, where we shy away from conviction, where we turn off our ears to when God begins pulling on us and tugging on us to do something different or something greater for him. May May we never get caught up in the cult of convenient Christianity, amen, but may we be the kinds of people that say, even if it makes me uncomfortable, God, I want it, and even if it's not convenient, it's, if it's conviction, then I want it. Yes, it might make me want to just slide out of my pew, and yes, it might make me just want to crawl out the door, but I got into this thing not to be comfortable. I got into this thing to grow, to be more like him, to do great things for God, to experience my destiny, to be convinced convicted so I could be made better for him and his kingdom. Amen. Amen. And he sent for Paul because he wanted Paul to give him money to get out of prison, but instead he got an earful about holiness, self-control, and the judgment of God. Amen. And sometimes we can come expecting or wanting one thing, and God can use a preacher, God can use a pastor, or whatever method he chooses to use and instead we can hear something that maybe we don't want to hear 
And we can think, that's not what I needed to hear, God. I needed to hear something different. This, this is what I was focused on over here. And God says, I know what's best, and, and this is actually what you need to hear. This is the real word that's going to help you and to move you forward from where you are. And I just wonder tonight how many times have we done the same thing? How many times have we been guilty of doing what Felix has done? How many times have we gone to prayer and invited God to come into that prayer closet with us? Amen. And when the presence of God comes in, and, and of course, it's a beautiful thing. There's nothing more beautiful than prayer and feeling the love and the presence of God. But how many times have we, have we gone to God and, and we, we just wanted one thing, and the answer that we get is something different, and the answer that we get is not what we wanted to hear but it is what we need to hear how many times have we done that and we say God God can you save that for later that's just not too convenient right now I'm focusing on something different I'm praying about something else right now and you keep nagging me about this God that's not the most convenient right now and so we say God I'll, I'll come back later I'll come back to the prayer room later I'll, I'll come back and get on my knees later because this is just getting a little bit too uncomfortable and I don't know if I like what I'm hearing but God says listen if you can as much as you can get comfortable with conviction that I can begin to use you in ways I've never used you before. If you can begin to get comfortable with being inconvenienced and doing things that are not always convenient to your flesh, uh, then I can use you in ways that I've never used you before. Hey Amen. If, if it's possible, if I could get just a little more monitored. If not, no problem. Hey Amen. We know that, that the re repentance, when God puts something on our heart and our mind, when God shows us something that we could have done better or differently, and we know that we need to get on our knees and repent, we know that we need to go to somebody that, that we've done something wrong to and say, I'm sorry, amen. We do not want to hear it. Repentance is not convenient. Asking someone to forgive you is not convenient. Sacrificing our will is never convenient. Amen. Talking to that person about Jesus that we don't really want to talk to is not convenient. Talking to that person at our work about Jesus that we're intimidated to talk to is not convenient. Talking to that person walking down the street with dreadlocks and tattoos everywhere is not convenient. Amen. But I'm telling you, if the voice of God is telling you to do it, it may not be convenient, but it's crucial. It may not be convenient, but it's what we must do in this last hour. We must be more sensitive to the voice of God than we ever have in times past. Amen. If you want to do great things for God, if you want to see more than what you've seen before, if you want to go to higher heights and deeper depths, I'm so thankful I'm preaching to spirit-filled people tonight, but it's not enough to just be spirit-filled. If we want to go to the highest heights and deepest depths, then we must be spirit-led as well. It's not enough just to be spirit-filled. We must be spirit-led. We must listen to that spirit that lives within our heart and will speak to us and prompt us. Amen. I heard a preacher tell me once, amen, a powerful man of God. He said, God has never dragged me into anything. Anytime he said, I've been used by God, and he's been used by God in incredible ways, he said there was a still, small voice, and if I was listening, I would hear it. If I was not listening or did not care to listen, then it would pass me by, and I would miss my moment because God would not. Yes, he's merciful. Yes, he might speak a few times, but he's not going to drag us into anything. God is a gentleman, and he's looking for those whose ears are tuned to him and saying, God, what are you speaking for this hour? What are you saying for this hour? What are you wanting? 
wanting me to do in this season of my life. I'm young or maybe I'm older and I don't know exactly where I fit, but I'm going to put my ear up to the heavens. I'm going to listen for you. I'm going to be sensitive to your spirit and I'm going to do whatever you are calling me to do. What does it say in 2 Timothy 4 and 2? Amen. Be instant in season and out of season. Preach the word. Another translation says preach the word. Be ready whether it is convenient or not. We can't just preach when it's convenient. And if I'm preaching to anybody tonight, I'm preaching to myself as well. We can't just preach when it's convenient. Amen. We can't just just talk and witness. Amen. Whenever it lines up perfectly with our schedule. Amen. But we must be willing to step into those places and hear the voice of God that says there's a door five blocks down that I want you to knock at. And there's an apartment complex where there is somebody there that is waiting to hear the gospel of God. There is a coffee shop just down the road where if you go and sit down there will be a conversation perhaps that you overhear that God wants you to be a part of amen and you cannot don't miss it amen there is great glory that can come out of this there is great opportunity that can come out of this I've just come to remind somebody amen that changing to become better for God and and, and growing in God and winning souls and reaching people and discipling new converts as many of you already know is never convenient amen being there for those people that have a thousand questions about God and are blowing up your phone is never convenient. Making new friends and keeping them is hardly ever convenient, but it is crucial, and we must never come to a place where we view people as an inconvenience. Amen. People are what God's heartbeat is beating for. Amen. You say, but I've seen... I've seen so much hurt. I don't want to be around people, and I don't like people all that much, and I don't want to be near them. And, and you've seen some things, and you've become perhaps a little, a little jaded or cynical, amen, and you start seeing souls as just statistics. And you start seeing instead of people, you just see patterns. You say, ah, I've seen one of those. I've seen them all. I've seen, I've seen one one. Drug addicted type, I've seen them all. I've seen one promiscuous type, I've seen them all. I already know the route that they're heading down. Why even go and work that hard? Why even waste all that time? Why even spend all that time? But Jesus is calling us, no matter what we've seen, and no matter how many failures we've seen, amen, to understand that people are more than just patterns, and souls are more than just statistics, amen. And and, and, and troubled youth are more than just a statistic that's gonna end up in a difficult life situation somewhere. But we have been given an opportunity to reach them in this last hour. Amen. I want to overcome in myself anything in me that, that is too prone to convenience, that, that tends and leans more too, too, too close to convenience. Amen. I, I, have seen, I have seen young people, amen, that have, that have held on to this might re- seem random at first, but some will understand this. I've seen young people that have held on to different elements of their life that are perhaps hurting them, not wanting to release them and surrender them to God, 
because it's not convenient. Let, let me give you an example. I, I, I have, I've seen young people that have come and talked to me and told me about problems maybe they have with social media and things they struggle with on social media. And, and they've, they've basically alluded before, well, I, I probably need to delete it. I probably need to get off it and take a break, but it's just not convenient. If I get off of it, then I'm going to have, I'm going to miss what's going on and I'm going to miss what my friends are doing. And, and yeah, I know I've stumbled across some bad things, but if I take a break or if I set some boundaries in my life, well, it's really not going to be convenient. Then I'll never be popular, and then people won't know what I'm doing or not doing, and then I just won't be a part of the 21st century world. Can I just take a step aside and say to a young person perhaps here tonight that sometimes God will ask you to do things that are not convenient, and they may not make you the most popular, but they are crucial. I'll never forget sitting across the table, amen, with a young man somewhere else in the country that had just come back to God. He had just prayed through. He's a backslider, a young man with so much potential on his life. I believe God was calling him to be a preacher, and I, 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 uh, I believe he's still in the church today, thank the Lord. But he had just come back, and he was telling me about some of these different things. He had been struggling on Instagram and struggling on Snapchat and doing things and seeing things that he shouldn't and still being connected to people that would send him things that he should not see and he had been wrestling with it. And I remember sitting in the car when he had tears in his eyes. And this is going to sound so so uh, uh, random and odd to maybe some of the older generation, but some of the young people understand this. He said, you know what? I don't care anymore. I don't care if all my friends think I'm dead or off the, off the grid whatsoever. He said, I want you to see that I'm doing this. And right there in front of me, he started going through his accounts, deleting his accounts. And he said, I'm going to do this and keep this off however long I have to until I'm stable, until I am where I need to be. It may not be convenient. I might have to be lonely for a season, but I want the things of God and the glory of God and the holiness of God and the purity of God more than anything else. Hallelujah. Amen. I believe that more people would hear the voice of God if more people were willing to be inconvenienced. Sometimes people wonder, why don't I hear the voice of God? like elders in the past. Why don't I hear the voice of God like Pastor Mayo? Why don't I hear the voice of God? I hear people talk about, man, God spoke to me and I went and did this. And man, could it be, and I don't have all the answers, but could it be maybe because some of those great leaders you've heard the stories from were willing to be inconvenienced in ways that their peers were not? I believe we would see miracles like never before if we would choose consecration over convenience. We must let God interrupt us. I don't know who this is for tonight. And I know some of this may seem random to some, but to those that God's speaking to, it's not random at all. We must let God interrupt us, and we must be stubborn with our vision, but flexible with our plans. Some people, it's the opposite. They are stubborn with their plans, but they have no vision whatsoever. They're sure flexible with their vision. They don't know where they're going to end up, but they sure are stubborn with their plans. God, don't change the plans on me. Don't change the next few steps I have outlined. Don't change those things on me. And God says, if you would just let me, I wouldn't have to change your steps. I could order your steps if you would just let me be the one in control. If you let me order your steps first, and if you, you let me decide what is best for your life, and if you let me shape you according to the way that I want to shape you, then I would not have to change the direction your feet are heading. I could just simply order them, and you could walk in the footprints that I have aligned for you because I am walking before you, and you are walking behind me.
Amen. I will, I will never forget. Amen. Not, not too long ago, I was with my wife, and we were in Washington, D.C. And we had some cancellations and some just unexpected things happen. And so we were all the way over in the D.C. area. And we had an open Sunday where we weren't scheduled. And so we decided, you know what, we don't want to make anybody uncomfortable, or, but we do want to go to church. We don't, just because we're not preaching doesn't mean we shouldn't go to church on a Sunday. And so my wife and I said, we're going to find an apostolic church in the area, get on Google, and we're going to go to a church in Washington, D.C. And we went to one that we heard of, and we walked in the back, and we were hoping to just slip in the back, and we were hoping to kind of just, you know, just blend in and sit in the very back and just hear the word and worship and then leave and, and, and just be done. And as soon as we walked in, of course, the first person standing there was the pastor of the church. So we didn't get to blend in like we thought. And he, he said, praise the Lord. God bless you. So glad you're here. And it was just a few seconds of him shaking my hand. And he stopped. And he looked at me, looked at my wife, looked at me. And I looked like a lot of other people that were in that service that morning. But he looked at me and he said, you're a preacher, aren't you? I said, yes, sir, I am. Looked at my wife, he said, and you sing a lot, don't you? She said, yes, actually, I do. He said, listen, I don't know you from Adam. He said, but I feel like God has brought you here today. And he said, you, sir, and he pointed to me, you're going to preach today. And he pointed to my wife and said, you, ma'am, you're going to sing today. And so we both sat there, our face uh, uh, shifting back between red as a tomato and white as a sheet. And we said, Yes, sir. Okay. We just, we just, there was, we, it wasn't comfortable, but we felt this witness. Okay, we need to do it. So I run back to the car and I get my Bible and get my things and I run back in. Amen. And, and just a few minutes later, worship service begins and my wife is up there with a bunch of people she doesn't know holding a guitar, singing hymns about Jesus. Amen. And the Spirit of the Lord begins to come into that place and is ushered in. And it was one of the most random, odd, but spirit led and beautiful services that I've ever had a privilege to be a part of. Amen. The Spirit of God began to come in that room. Amen. And the pastor announced that I was here and that he didn't even know me, but I was going to be the one preaching that day. And so without further ado, without even standing up in the pulpit, just down here because everyone was worshiping, he handed me the mic and said, preach, brother. So I took the mic, amen, and God began to drop some things into my spirit. And I began to speak some things and I began to exhort as the Spirit of God was thankfully giving me the utterance in that moment. Amen. And we had a lot of people come up to the front that wanted to, to uh, receive a miracle or wanted to receive the Holy Ghost. Amen. And in that, that small church that day in Washington, D.C., we had around three or four receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We had multiple people healed in their bodies. We had one woman that had breast cancer, and the pain was so bad that she could not lift her arm past here. But after we prayed and spoke the name of Jesus over her, her arm shot straight up to the ceiling, and she worshiped and praise with no pain in her body whatsoever. Hey, honey, it was not comfortable. It was not fun. It was not convenient, but it was crucial. And I learned a powerful message that day that if we are going to be used of God in more powerful ways like we want to, we must be willing to be inconvenienced. We must be willing to not only be spirit-filled, but we must be willing to be spirit-led whenever God would lead us, whenever God would put that urge and that impression on us to do something. We must obey we must obey somebody praise him right now oh yes
Hallelujah. Amen. There was a man that was there in that service who got, he was one of those that got the Holy Ghost. There was another lady from a foreign country, some uh, 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 Russian-speaking country. She was, she was there. Amen, and, and she, was, uh, she was, was filled with the Holy Ghost that day, and there was another man named Corey, and he received the Holy Ghost, and he says, you have no idea. He said, this is my first time here, and I don't know you people. This is very different than anything I've ever been to. He said, but this is what I've been looking for. He said, I've wanted this experience for so long. He said, I used to be drugged out, and that was my, 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 my story. He said, and then the Salvation Army got a hold of me. He said, and I was actually an evangelist with the Salvation Army. I used to travel and speak and minister on their behalf. He said, but now that I have received this, I want to be a part of what you are and I want to be a part of what you guys have. Amen. I want to preach about what I have received today. God can take somebody preaching for the Salvation Army, amen, and use them to start preaching for an apostolic army or for the true Salvation Army. Hallelujah. I'm just telling you, you never know what can happen when we're willing to say, God, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, I might mess up, and yeah, I might be a little embarrassed, and yeah, my face might get red, and yeah, my hair might get messed up a little bit, but I am going to go where you want me to go, speak what you want me to speak, and do what you want me to do. Hallelujah. We must be spirit-led. Amen. And I, I said this before in a, another service. I'm going to say it again. One man said complacency has destroyed more people than adversity. And it's true. And listen, as soon as I said that, some of you begin to feel uncomfortable. And let me just tell you something. I feel uncomfortable every single time I make that statement. It shouldn't be comfortable to any of us. Amen. We all are prone, amen, to just drifting into more of a complacent mode. Amen. But God is calling us to hire. He's not angry. He's not looking with burrowed uh, eyebrows and, and a frustrated scowl on his face. He is just saying, my people, I'm going to do great things in Spokane, as we've been hearing about lately. And he said, I want you to be a part of it. I want to use you to do X, Y, or Z. I, I want to use you to do A, B, or C over here. I'm going to use you to be the key that unlocks that door that's never been opened before in Spokane. I want to use you. Will you go? Amen. Are you willing to forsake convenience? Amen. Are you willing to spend a few Friday nights in some places other than your recliner? Are you willing to spend some Saturday nights doing some things that may not be comfortable? But it is so, so crucial. Amen. Amen. I gotta hurry. I want the musician to come. Amen. The Bible, the Bible lets us know. Amen. Matthew eleven twenty nine through thirty. What did Jesus say? He said, "Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls." What did He say? For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now wait a minute. I thought when I became a Christian, all the burdens disappeared. I thought, I thought I lay all my burdens down and I can just live a burdenless person. But that's where we've gone wrong. Because the gospel is not about removing all of your burdens. The gospel is about separating the good burdens from the bad burdens. God will take your bad burdens, but if you want it, he will give you good burdens. And all of us should want it, because guess what? It's a blessing to be burdened. It's a blessing to have a burden. There's too many, too many Christians today that are living without a burden, living, living in indifference. One man said, I believe it was C.S. Lewis, he said, the worst thing is to not want at all. 
The worst thing is simply to not care. The worst thing is simply to, to not have a burden upon your life. What does it say in Matthew 16 and 24? Take up your cross and follow me. Once again, there's a burden to take up. Do we have a burden for God? And if you don't, when is the last time that you prayed for one? And can I ask you, what have we missed out on by only choosing the convenient path? Can I remind you that burdens are not bad? God will take away the bad burdens, but the best thing you could have is a good burden, a burden for the lost, a burden for your brothers, a burden for your sisters, a burden for your family, a burden for morality, a burden for Spokane to be with the gospel, a burden for the homeless, a burden for the orphans, a burden for battered women, a burden for the, 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 the prison ministry, brother, a burden for the drug addicts, a burden for, come on, it's a good thing to have a burden. Tell me, why would you want to live your life without a burden? You only have 70 to 80 years, most likely, of your life. Why would you want to live your life without a burden? Amen. The, the, the wind's going to come and go, and our lives are but a vapor. If I'm going to spend my life on this earth before eternity, I want to spend it with a burden. I want to spend it doing things that may not be convenient but are crucial and are adventurous for the kingdom I want to do great things for God in my own way and I know some of us are called to go and some of us are called to stay but whether you're here or whether you're elsewhere there are things that you can do that God wants you to there are ways that we can improve there are people who God wants us to touch and love amen there are people that perhaps only we are in their path to reach amen may never be convenient but can I just say with total love tonight let's stop putting off for tomorrow what needs to be done now and can I tell you I know I focused a little bit on souls but you could apply this to anything can I tell you forgiving that person that hurt you will never be convenient you're waiting on the most opportune time before you let that bitterness and let that unforgiveness go but it will not be convenient there's never a perfect time to just to just let some of those things off of your chest. Starting that ministry that God's calling you to will never be convenient. Getting a burden in prayer will never be convenient. Resolving the conflicts that have plagued your life for too long will never be convenient. Consecration will never be convenient. Having those difficult conversations you really don't want to have but you know God is impressing you to will never be convenient. But it's crucial and we just have to do it. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Making peace with those who have hurt us and wronged us will never be convenient. Digging into the deep places of our hearts that we have not allowed the Lord to touch and to heal and remedy will never be convenient. Letting God perform heart surgery is never fun and never convenient. But there are destinies and there is a greater height and deeper depth that God has in store for you. And he's waiting for us to do some of these things that are not easy and not fun and not convenient, but they are crucial. And when we do, I believe there is a new dimension that we will begin to step into in our own lives and in the life of our families and the life of our church, our brothers and sisters around us. How many believe this with me? I wonder if we could lift our hands before we go any further. I really am almost done. If we could pray right now. I just feel like we need to pray all over this house. Hallelujah. Come on. Accepting that person's apology will never be convenient. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. I just wonder how many times I've, I've missed it, Brother Mayo, and I, 
I'm concluding. It's my last night, so I, you know, Brother Mayo can clean up my mess on Sunday. But I just wonder how many times I've missed it because I didn't want to be inconvenienced. How many times that I knew I should have stepped in and talked to someone or I knew I should have done this or should have apologized or should have made things right quickly when I could have or should have gone and shown love and encouragement to that brother in that moment because there's no telling how badly he needed it in that moment. But instead, ah, it was too inconvenient. Instead, I had something much more carnal and, and, and earthly waiting for me at home that I needed to tend to. And so I missed out on what God was wanting me to do. Amen. Some of us, God is calling us to pack our bags and to step into a new season and a new dimension that will not be convenient, but it will be the, one of the best decisions you've ever made in your life. Can I tell you something really quickly? You know, even if, even if right now for the rest of my life, you know, I, I started focusing, and I know people here aren't doing this. This is not, please take this to spirit. I mean, if I started just only focusing on accumulating the nicest cars, the nicest boats, the nicest clothes, and I just all of a sudden became very materialistic and I just focused on all of that. Can I tell you that I would still suffer in my life? Problems would still come. Pain would still come. Family members might pass away. I still might get sick. Life is still going to have its challenges no matter how hard I try to cushion and pad everything so I don't ever have to go through pain or suffering. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to be 75 or 80 years old and look back and realize that that was all I did. And that no matter what I would have done, the suffering would have came anyway. So I might as well have stepped out and done a great work for God. Because no matter what I would do, whether I spent my life accumulating cars or boats, or whether I moved to the Middle East somewhere and become a missionary, I'm going to have suffering and I'm going to have pain either way. So I might as well go and do the thing that has the most meaning and has the most purpose and is going to leave the greatest impact on the world and the greatest impact on the kingdom and the greatest impact on my life and my family's life. There's going to be pain and problems and life's going to happen either way. So I might as well spend my life for Jesus and Jesus alone.